Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Office Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hi guys, it's your tech people host, Ken speaking. Have you ever wondered why somebody gets a Harley Davidson tattoo? Well, this is precisely what brands and businesses need to start asking. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Ken Hughes, consumer behavioralist and CX strategist, to show some light on the importance of understanding life through the lens of the consumer. As a keynote speaker at major events around the world, Ken has devoted his life to CX and is passionate about delivering this message. CX is a relatively new phenomenon. The title CX director or strategist didn't exist 10 years ago. Today, however, CX has a chair at board meetings. Effective CX creates an empowered consumer. Every Harley Davidson fan on the road is part of a peer network, operating in a CX collaborative space. This is where Ken firmly believes that CX needs to strive towards. We need to move away from the transactional view of CX. This outlook is perilous. Ken believes it treats CX as a commodity, and therefore any competitor can take your place. Consumers want to feel emotionally bonded. They want to feel a real connection that is deep and one which builds lifetime value. This is a riveting insight into just how relevant the role of philosophy and human psychology are in the CX domain today. Whether it's flying a goldfish transatlantic in the VIP section for an eight-year-old or tracking a Domino's pizza delivery, CX is here to stay and is becoming more valuable by the, by the day. Sit up and take note, this guy knows CX. With that, I would like to welcome Ken, who will share the trends he sees in CX for 2023. Welcome, Ken. Thank you very much, Ken. It's nice to speak to a fellow. Do you know what your name means, by the way? Have you ever Googled what the word Kenneth actually means? I haven't. You haven't? Oh, I'm going to blow your mind now. <laughs> Kenneth, Kenneth uh, apparently means handsome. So ah. I don't know which one of us live up to our name. <laughs> Let's both claim credit for it, shall we? Uh, yeah, but you actually, you come across very few Kens or Kenneths in the world. I mean, I really do. You do. And actually, weirdly enough, for the people listening who have a, a memory of the 80s and 90s, my parents called my older sister Barbara, and then they called me Ken. So <laughs> we were Barbie and Ken, and there's only the two, there's only the two of us. And you'd imagine that they'd have copped on to that. Apparently it was an accident. Oh, that's brilliant. It is. Oh, well, no. they thought it was brilliant. Uh, it wasn't so funny growing up, but uh, it's oh, okay. I can imagine. I can imagine <laughs> school days. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, hey, lovely to talk to you. Yeah, likewise. Listen, speaking of the past and history, let, let, can we start? Maybe learn a bit about who you are and your current role, please? Absolutely. I am a consumer behaviorist and CX strategist. I sometimes kind of just describe myself as, as a social science Frankenstein. I'm kind of stitched up with various parts. I mean, I'm fascinated by anthropology by human behavior, by behavioral economics, by sociology, by psychology, and more recently by cyber behaviorism, how society, how we live our lives digitally and how that affects our real world interactions and expectations. So my history really, I suppose, is helping brands and businesses understand the end consumer, the customer, and what those expectations are and shaping the future 10-year strategy. If we can even predict one year, now is difficult, but you know, trying to face the future and understand what expectations are today, what they're likely to be in the next few years, and then to 
get brands and businesses ready for those expectations. So I kind of represent most of the stages I stand on. I, I'm, a, I'm a professional speaker and CX strategist all over the world. And most stages when I deliver a keynote, I talk about this future that's coming and, and this race for relevance that we're in and understanding life through the lens of the consumer expectation. And so that's brought me obviously a sweet center, a sweet spot into the customer experience world in cross employee experience, customer experience, and more now recently total experience TX uh, in terms of whether it's shareholder experience, um, consumer, customer, B2B, B2C, employee, you know, the whole spectrum of experiential stuff. So yeah, I guess I'm just fascinated by by the social sciences, by how we as humans behave and how a deeper understanding of that helps every brand or business connect in a better way. But how did you get into this space? I suppose, look, I've always been fascinated by, I mean, even when I was a kid, I was fascinated by entrepreneurship, always knew I'd run my own business. And then in university, studied marketing because it was always my passion to understand people and sales. Afterwards, went into kind of the big five consulting, set up my own agency very early. Again, specializing in kind of uh, human understanding, did a lot of biometric work early on. So again, interested in the, the intersection between technology and traditional research methods. So yeah, it's always been fascinated by the irrationality of the human mind and how we can harness a deeper understanding of that to really make connections. I find a lot of branded businesses very transactional, trapped in a kind of a transactional space, and then therefore they're only as good as their last number or last year's sales, whereas really going forward, pushing into relational space and, um, you know, deepening customer. And we throw words like customer lifetime value around so much mm. these days, but really very few people know what that is or how to deliver on it. And so, yeah, as I get older, I suppose I've become more and more fascinated by using things like anthropology, sociology, psychology, behavioral economics, and applying them to the everyday brands and businesses I work with to help them just connect better with their end user and have a, and obviously the pandemic helped us accelerate that in terms of, you know, leading with empathy, leading with vulnerability, understanding consumers and what their lives are, what their, you know, how to be relevant, how to be contextual and what's going on for them right now, making them feel seen, heard and valued, all that kind of stuff. And I think brands and businesses get that now in a lot deeper way than they may have previous to the to the pandemic. Great. And actually, yeah, it'd be great because I think it's a perfect time here and now to, for one, is to reassess and also look forward for the future. And just as you mentioned there, the pandemic would be great, you know, just to go into that a bit further. You know, how have you seen CX evolved over the last, you know, two years with the pandemic? And, yeah. And I, then from there, maybe we can go into how you see it evolving for the future. Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. I think there was a gear shift, a very evident gear shift in the CX, both in terms of talent recruitment, in terms of budgets allocated and pre and post pandemic. So before the pandemic, I think my opinion of CX was very much it was kind of trapped on the digital transformation train. And so all these brands and businesses all over the world, hysterical about digital transformation, the journey that was to be done. Some of them were behind the curve. Some of them felt they were there. And CX kind of became a a thing about frictionless, seamless, instant, easy. So this idea of the customer expects it easy. They expect to live in this one-click, one-swipe world. So we need to make everything easy, everything instant, everything frictionless. And that they were the buzzwords. So digital convenience kind of became a substitute for CX. And look, I'm not saying it's not important. It is. And, and a lot of brands will still have those pillars even as their CX pillars, instant, easy, relevant, all those kind of things. Okay. Um, that very much though was then, and this is now. And so that quickly became a hygiene factor. It became kind of just an ex- a base expectation for a consumer. And the example I use today is like something as simple as ordering a pizza today on the Domino's app. I mean, you can watch it being 
you know, you know where it's being ordered, you know, yes. it's, you know, it's, right, you, you, you can see the Derby driver across the little map. Most of us are staring at the screen for the 20 minutes, <laughs> watching the little yeah, yeah. motorbike driving along. And like, so we're updated at all times. Everything is instant. Everything is easy. So for something as mundane and simple as ordering a pizza, that's your expectation. So obviously every other brand and business you interact with, you expect the same, if not better. And so saying that kind of CX is about frictionless, easy, instant is no longer really that great. You're kind of just addressing the basics. And so the pandemic came along and challenged us in terms of, well, what does it mean to be a human, actually? You know, at the the really core levels, we were right down to your cash self, back to your commerce degree there in terms of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And so, you know, like we were right back to security, safety, belonging, these real fundamental needs. And any brand then that kind of helped us in that kind of walked the recovery journey with us. That's how the beginning of customer lifetime value was being laid down. And, um, you know, a bit of empathy goes a long way. And so people started to realize, well, you know, even in management, leadership in terms of hierarchy and fear and control isn't great. Maybe leadership with empathy and emotion and vulnerability is better. And so there is a little share. And there's a couple of combination things happening, obviously, because the, the Gen Z workforce are starting to take their, their place at the desks. The millennial manager starting to push through and starting to be at the board level. And so there is a frame of reference changing in terms of what work should be anyway, which is one of the reasons driving the great resignation as well. I mean, look, we're going off topic. <laughs> so yeah, from a CX point of view, I think then was all about convenience and the future is all about that relationship, that depth of relationship. So for me, if you're going to say like, you know, where do you think the trend is going? I think CX definitely is going to stop being functional in an organization okay. and become far more philosophical it's going to be a philosophy that the organization runs itself by and it's going to touch into every part of the organization kind of sits in marketing a lot today still you know it's the marketeers buzzword it's a customer facing thing and so you know that's what the marketing guys do they bring the brand to life via various touch points and cx whereas it's going to actually start you know as already has dipping into supply chain dipping into logistics dipping into so it's going to become really a not a function and not a thing that gets done but a thing that just keeps like oxygen that keeps the business alive and as we get more digital mm-hmm. as we push into a more digital space so think metaverse and think you know where we're going in terms of a society more and more digitally immersive the scale of connection is going to get bigger and faster so my ability to connect with a brand becomes far more complex so i i use a metaphor with dimensions so if you think of a one dimensional line a line is a one-dimensional thing right. it's, got, it's got two endpoints. so that's, that's me the customer connecting with the brand very simple and there would have been a store, let's say, along that line in the old-fashioned way. You'd walk into a store. That was 1D retailing. Then two dimensions came along. Two dimensions is a square. And so you've got the consumer and the brand at each point there at the same time. But then there's two ways they can go. Now they can connect via a brand or a store or they can connect via online. Then there's 3D. And that's where we are today. Think of a cube. And each of those little kind of touch points, at each corner of the cube is a potential touch point for customers. They can go into a store. They can go online. They can buy via a third-party app. They can go on social media, swipe up shopping. They can use the metaverse. You know, it's so complicated. And on and on it goes, because the fourth dimension is a tesseract, which is a cube within a cube. And so we're going to have more and more potential touch points for a customer journey. So the average customer is going to have more and more scale of connection potential with a brand, which you could say is terrifying for a brand to, to manage, but also exactly. but also hugely opportunistic. You know, there's huge amounts of new, new ways to connect with customers. So the scale is going to get faster, and that's what we're going to see that in the next three years. But also that my main watch out is not losing the depth of connection. So if we ramp up scale of connection and we have all these different ways of touching our customers along their customer journey and making them feel, that's the challenge. How do we make them feel? Because otherwise we just get very transactional in this digitally immersive space. We have people who just, it, we become, CX becomes a commodity. 
And that's a very dangerous thing to happen. So the brands now that are thinking, okay, how do we make people at every touch point feel? How do we engage emotionally? Because if we if we can manage the depth of connection and do that at the same time as the scale is growing, then actually we have something. Otherwise, we just end up managing a whole load of touch points. And it's a big complex technology machine and we lose the human aspect of that. And is that very much then about the values of the company and you know what they believe and what they're supporting? I think so. Yeah, I think, I mean, definitely the values of the company are trying to make a CX machine work without having values that are believed in and driven from the top down is very difficult because then CX just becomes a whole, as I said, a load of technology is doing stuff and you're back into the digital convenience space. If you want every employee in the firm to truly believe that the customer and the customer's experience is everything, they have to have values instilled in them from the beginning of the recruitment process and the talent development process to believe that. So so Richard Branson is a good example, I think, of that. He's had a huge... Great. Huge amount of yeah, a great guy, but a huge amount of failed businesses, which is really interesting. In fact, the majority of his businesses fail, actually, right? I mean, when you look at it, you know, like everything he touches sometimes turns to dust over the years, but he's had enough good ones to make it all work, right? But the CX philosophy that he's had from the very beginning, based on his personality, basically, yes. you know, he believes that, you know, you look after the customer and the profits follow. That was always his. And I I have a wonderful story. It's a lovely CX story about this family that are emigrating from the UK to the US and, you know, stressful time packing up everything. And they have their little eight-year-old boy at the airport and they're checking at the, at the, um, getting the boarding cards and the lady checking them, he looks up and sees a problem because the little boy is holding a goldfish in a little plastic bag. And she's thinking, well, there's more than a hundred mils of liquid in that bag. And, you know, fish don't get to go on planes. Right? Yeah, so yeah. she starts to ex- explain to the family, I'm sorry, you can't bring the fish on board. Uh, you know, fish don't get to go to America. And of course, the little boy starts roaring, crying. It's like he's emigrating. He's leaving all his friends, his family, his school. He's he's crying, you know, crying in the air. And so instantly she steps in and she says, no, no, I'm sorry. You you misunderstand. What I mean is you can't bring the fish on board yourself. You got to give him to me. He's got to travel in the VIP section of the plane with all the other goldfish that are traveling today to America. And so the little boy, little boy hands over the fish, all proud of himself that his fish has gone off to the VIP section, wipes his tears. Parents take the boarding cards, wink at the girl and say, thank you so much. And kind of usher the kid through security. Think, right, that's the end of that. You know, diff- a pain point diffused. But actually what happens next is the best best part of that story. Because not only does she diffuse the pain point for them at that point, she then takes her phone out, takes a few pictures of the goldfish, WhatsApps those pictures to her colleague in Atlanta, who then leaves her workstation, drives to the pet shop, acquires an identical looking goldfish. And when they <laughs> land wow. 10, hour, 10 hours later, little boy walks off the plane and takes his fish to America. Uh, and it's it's a it's a story that is told again and again as a good example of CX, uh, you know, an employee who can see the opportunity to make a difference, which is what CX is all about. But what's interesting about the values instilled in those two employees on either side of the Atlantic is that neither of them had to pick up their phone and call Sir Richard Branson and say, "Do you mind if I take an hour off to buy a fish?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's <laughs> it, you know it's it's in their DNA as part of that company that says if you see a potential way to delight and excite a customer to go beyond expectations, to make a difference in their lives, take it no matter what. And that's the kind of value that we need to have people, no matter where their role is. And I, the question I always get is, yeah, but I'm a forklift driver. Yeah, but I'm just a call service operator. No, no, no one's just. Everyone is part of this amazing jigsaw that clicks together to deliver these unique moments for customers. And you know, particularly when I'm talking to audiences in, in supply chain logistics, and sometimes even you know, an organization will have me and I'm talking to the 4,000 people who literally run the factories and stuff. And I always tell them like that they think that CX is this thing that's done by marketing. It's not, it's done by them. 
And everyone has an opportunity to make a difference, to make someone smile, to deliver on time. And it's all those things are important. And yes, the convenience, the, getting the basics right is important, but also the magic is important and everyone's responsible for the magic, you know? Yeah, but it's interesting. I mean, you mentioned there about CX being like, it's been, it sounds like you're, from what you're saying, it's like the heart of the business now. It spreads all over the business. Yeah, uh, I think it, it takes a seat at the boardroom table nearly, you know? I mean, and even if, if over the 10 years I've been working in this space, I've noticed titles changing, you know, like because you would have come across CX director 10 years ago. You know, it would have been a, a part of a role in a marketing. But now you now you come across, you come across CX director, you come across CX strategist, you come across, you know, it's it's now a, a title and a, a very clear function in companies. And it's one that you wouldn't, you know, I mean, for instance, now coming into the, the tough year of 2023, you know, inflation and cost of living, and it's going to be tight for people and there's going to be recession and consumers get grumpy when there's recessions. And so something like CX becomes more important for next year. So CX becomes a way of dealing with the, so, you know, when a customer, when we drop the ball for a customer, as we often do, because we're big businesses and big brands, there's going to be moments where we drop the ball. Next year, the consumer is going to feel that stronger because they're going to be angrier just in life. (laughs) They're going to be angrier with with everything, you know, cost of living and wages. And and so when you have an angrier customer, they tend to take it out in a brand or business faster. And so we have an opportunity when that happens to be empathetic and to say, right, what can we do? What can we do to help? What can we do, what can we do to fix this beyond what your expectation is? And that's how you start to build customer lifetime value, you know? And that's I remember through social media is at work, like customers are complaining about a certain brand. Yeah, absolutely. Product. I mean, you need to balance a sense of humor, which is also important too, I think, in CX. People forget that CX is a human personal space and corporate brands can be very slow to engage with humor um, in case they come across incorrectly and that needs we need to we need to challenge that because humor actually is the fastest way to build a relationship um david attenborough tells a wonderful story about being in, in the jungle in the 60s 70s the amazon having no english and being threatened by this tribe and very close to being put in a pot and being roasted alive kind of thing you know <laughs> and using mime and humor just to break the ice and uh, it's it's a fundamental way we communicate as humans between each other. And if you make someone laugh and smile, that instantly, that endorphin release connects you. And that's what we're looking for. So I think brands need to, again, and some cultures obviously are better than others at this. Um, yeah. So how do brands go about doing that? You know, have you got yeah, they need uh, authenticity is a big one. You know, I mean, I think the fakeness of the corporate world is no longer tolerated by the consumers. We want authenticity, you know, we want real. There's a reason, for instance, that the street food movement is booming all over the world, that food trucks pop up everywhere. There's a realness to a food truck, you know? If you walk yes. into a, a McDonald's or or even a, you know, an easy casual restaurant, Nando's, you get what you get. The customer experience is fine. But the customer today is, is, is seeking something real. They love the idea that the guy gave up his job in in PwC and grew a beard and now sells falafels, you know? <laughs> is that like, is that? Every, everyone in street food has beards, even the women, it's weird. And so like this, this idea of like, you know, like this guy, this girl, they're living their dream, it's real. And people who own food trucks tend to only own one food truck, you know? It's not a brand. Yeah. So there is yeah. this kind of backlash against the big global corporate thing that we built to, to more of a local thing and a more of a real authenticity. And so People do want real and that, that in terms of humor is part of that, you know, it's real. We do it every day in our own lives. And so why can't brands do it? And some brands are very funny on social media to each other. You know, they can be roasting each other away. And and so I think in the customer experience, obviously at pain points and friction points, you'd be very careful because you come across as not someone who cares or not being empathetic. But at other times, the customer journey, humor is a fantastic way to titillate a customer and to make them, you know, to surprise them. And I mean, I have, I have a speech called Love is a Verb, which is all about connecting 
teaching brands to connect with their consumers using the same fundamentals we do in human relationships. So there's 10 aspects that make a really, you know, a deep human relationship, trust, intimacy, you know, communication, all the ones, you know, and we go through each one, each one of them. And we talk about like, if you treated your customer as you would your husband or wife, what would change, you know, and everything would change. Actually, we would get away from transactional stuff towards a deeper relationship. We would see the opportunity at every point we would use humor and we would build trust. And, and so love is a verb is written that way because it's a, it is an action. Love isn't something you're in. It's something you actually you have to show. And you have to show it continuously if you want that relationship to live and to last. And I think in CX, we have this tendency, again, to be a bit transactional. We, we kind of look at each point of the customer journey and do our best at that piece. But we see each piece as a transaction, as opposed to the greater part of the whole, which is about building customer lifetime value over years and years and years and locking people in and building a relationship with them that would meet, make mean that they would never consider going elsewhere. And a lot of loyalty that brands measure isn't actually brand loyalty. It's just transaction loyalty. You know, I buy this product once every month. Oh, they're a loyal customer. No, no, they're just habitually buying your product. If something else comes along that makes them emotionally bonded to another brand, that would be different. I get one good example. I, I like to use Red, Red Bull and Harley Davidson as great examples. These are brands that people tattoo on their skin. Like people have the, the Harley Davidson logo and the Red Bull logo tattooed on their arms. <laughs> and they do, they do that because they feel that they belong tribally to what those brands stand for. Like Harley Davidson talk about the hundreds and thousands of sales reps they have on the road every day because every single, every single person driving a Harley is a sales rep. That's what we call an empowered consumer, you know? And that's where we want our CX to get to. We want it to get to the point where the customers, there's not so much a, a dividing line between us and them, you know? The CX becomes a collaborative space, a brand that we all own together and that we're all in this together. And that's, if you continuously delight and excite your customer, that's where you end up getting to. You get, you get to that empowered consumer, that sense of belonging. And once you get to that, the peer network takes over and they sell your product for you. That's what an empowered consumer is. And so that really is the, the, the CX game. It should be the game. You know, it's not just a case of customer service and getting that piece right, even though that is a critical piece. And obviously the voice, um, you know, the main interaction between a brand and its customer generally is in the customer service space. And so optimizing that's based on having a premium product in there and making sure that the people who are interacting with the customers, be they human, chatbot, AI, doesn't matter what technology aspect is, that we are connecting. And I, I just keep throwing that word back with people continuously in any CX conversation. It's about connecting. If we're not connecting at a deeper emotional level, if we're just connecting at a transactional level, then we're just a commodity and a competitor can come in and take our space very easily. Very, very interesting, Ken. Yeah, actually, in that point there, you mentioned about chatbots and AI. How do you feel about them in this, the CX I think we're at version 1.0 at the moment. You know, okay. it's grand. It's ticking along. There's times when it's that's all you know for a customer when the when the um when the inquiries are simple and it can be dealt with a bot. Give me a bot. I don't need to spend you know a few minutes on the phone waiting for a human. If a bot can solve the problem, give me the bot. No problem. But there's not going to be much of a depth of a connection between me and the bot at the moment. I mean, I can I've seen a couple of bits of the tech going forward, and it does get better and better and better. And so we will be able to use AI definitely to form depth of connection. Um, going forward, I think that is a space that will, but at the moment, customers are still a bit sticky about them, but it's a bit like if you get to a hotel in Las Vegas to go to check in and there's a half hour queue at the desk and there's self-check-in kiosks, there won't be much CX human interaction happening at the, at the kiosk, but if I don't have to queue up for half an hour, the kiosk is fine, thanks. Um, you know, the same thing in the yeah. password control, you know, you can join the big line there for 10 minutes if you want, or you can just go straight through on the machine. So sometimes we choose not to interact with humans and not to have the depth, but we do it because there's a convenience value add 
choice in doing that. So I think sometimes, you know, look, if you have a, a chatbot and there's a way around it quickly to talk to a human and you've given the customer that option, then at least the option is there. But I think I think that technology, that AI technology is going to just get better and better. And it already is. And you, you and I know what's going on behind the scenes coming in a few years. And so it's, yeah, I think it's it's a really exciting space. And I think the next generation, certainly people like Gen Z who have grown up around Amazon and Siri and all that kind of stuff, Alexa, you know, they, they, they won't bat an eyelid for virtual assistants and chatbots yeah, yeah. and things. And as the technology gets so much better and better and better into the metaverse we go, then it's going to be a just a phenomenal space to watch. It's a bit clunky, as I said. It's kind of 1.0, 2.0 at the moment, so it's early days. But I would say, you know, the generations now that are coming, you know, now my kids, your kids, and you mentioned we spoke about it earlier, but like they're, they're much more, they don't like to talk on a phone, you know, or direct face-to-face. They are, and they want everything to do with like either be a messaging as in typing text or just be automated. How does that feel into them, like creating that experience, that human connection? Yeah, I think there's a, uh, I mentioned that race for relevance earlier on, and we do need to keep an eye on that at all times. Each generation of consumers have a different way of consuming what we consumed how, and how we consumed before, you know? Like the music industry is a great example. Like, so baby boomers and Gen X all had vinyl, and then we pushed into, you know, Walkman music went mobile for, gens, uh, for Gen X, and then we had millennials with their white wire generation, and we had iPods and digital music, and now we have streaming for Gen Z, and so on and on it goes. You have kids, there would be Gen Alpha. They're already consuming music in eight second bites via TikTok and stuff. So it keeps changing. So we have to also look at that from a customer service point of view and say, well, what do they want? I think that human interaction, and this is just, I have no evidence for this whatsoever, just a gut feel. feel. I think everything goes in cycles. And I think this generation will grow up so screen immersed and text heavy that at some point they lift their heads and think, wow, humans are cool. (laughs) I think as we push into metaverse and as we live more digitally immersive lives. I think there will the value of human interaction will go up basically. I mean, this is the law of economics. What is scarce becomes more valuable. And so I think there will be a time where everything goes very much towards text and towards digital led. And then eventually that kind of comes about as, oh, we've lost something here, which is why I keep talking about depth of connection. And then the human part becomes much more valuable. And so what we do with that human part is really up for grabs. So I'm dealing with retailers at the moment all over the world who are obviously going online more and more, closing stores everywhere. But they're thinking, well, do we close all the stores? Do we keep some of the stores? And if we are keeping the stores, what are they far? And the debate now is, well, they're far depth of relationship. They're not for transactions. You can buy that. It'd be faster to get it online and deliver tomorrow. So the store becomes a place where we build relationships with you, a place where CX happens, you know, where we kind of not only showcase product, but where we actually kind of step into your lives somehow. And so there's this debate about what is the future of human interaction for brands as we digitize more and more. And I still just keep going back to, you know, that which is scarcer becomes more valuable. And so there will be definitely a huge place for human interaction. But that next generation of Gen Alpha who wanted, I don't know, did they, are they the only generation? I want it that way too, thanks. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I want the fat. I'm, I'm yeah. actually, I'm sitting here in my home studio today. I have two broadband servers here because obviously what I do, uh, I have to have backups. And one of them is due for uh, up, upgrade today. You know, and I'm, I'm doing that typical thing that happens all over the world. I'm waiting for the broadband guy. He was supposed to come yesterday. He came yesterday for five minutes. He's heading back today. I haven't got a call. I don't know whether the point is coming. You know, we all yes. just, And like, we're thinking like, how are we still in this space? How are we still doing this? We're like, I don't know. Like he could have just texted me this morning and said, look, you know, your appointment was this, it'll be this. But no, I, I'm in this kind of sea of unknown uncertainty, you know? And so I think the next generation of consumers don't tolerate that the way you and I grew up kind of in a world of buffering, a world of uh, he'll turn up when he, he'll turn up when he turns up. Whereas the next generation just think, what? No, like I want, I, I can track my pizza. I should be able to track my broadband yeah, guy, yeah. you know? 
And it's so, funny, yeah. actually, it's funny actually because recently I had a problem with the washing machine, and uh, I was waiting, I, I like that, like yourself had to stay at home that one day. But he said he'd be there between it was seven thirty in the morning and five thirty in the evening. I said, "What? Yeah, <laughs> that give me more Pacific time here." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's a very nineteen eighties way of running a business, you know. Like yeah. as opposed to we, we as a generation of customers now we don't accept that this is a we're we're all a generation of customers who only wait four minutes for an Uber you know that's the maximum we'll wait and so being told to wait for eight hours at home is nonsense and even if he gave you a forty five minute window you'd, you'd probably be angry at that he said no, <laughs> give me an exact time please you know so things have changed customers' expectations have yeah. fundamentally changed and we just need to get also at, I was at I was traveling at the weekend I was getting an Uber I was in Florence and uh, I was like seven minutes for the Uber. And they were last, God, seven minutes. And we're thinking when we look back, uh, back in the days, back in Cork and Ireland, you'd be waiting, was it 40? You ring up the taxi company, you could be waiting 40 minutes an hour. And it's like, that's yeah, fine, no problem. Yeah, <laughs> How absolutely. it's all been changed now. Yeah, and that's what's interesting about because customer expectations, that that's changed in 15 years only, which is a relatively short time. And so tolerance and our desires for instant and things, I mean, it's one thing saying, oh, the next generation of consumers will want this. But actually the current generation of consumers who have lived the analog life already want the digital life as well. And so everything changes and the acceleration of customer expectations is only going to get faster and faster. And so I think, you know, and the pandemic even helped us in that too, of course, you know, tech, we all had a big technology kind of workshop over two years. And so everyone now is, is far more tech savvy, tech expectant. They do expect everything to work and to be fast and to be about them. And so, yeah, it's CX space is no different, you know, and customer service has to kind of engage a little bit faster and be better. And yeah, and people are spending budgets higher on that kind of stuff because that's where it matters, you know? Yeah, because that's, you know, you mentioned budgets there, but keeping up with all these channels, like you mentioned, you know, the metaverse, the TikToks, you know, the Instagrams. How are companies managing this? Or is it just spending more money at it? Or? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, you can't do it inter- out- outsourcing is the answer. You know, you can't do it internally unless you have a spectacular team. Most people outsource it and they outsource it well and they find partners who can deliver um, a level of tracking and insight and service that their brand expect. And that's what that's the model, you know. Um, if you try and do it all yourself, you're going to sink. There's no way you can manage every single touch point today. I think um, from a customer experience point of view, yourself internally. And so you find really good partners who get it and who invested in the technology and who invested in the future as, as much as you, you are as a brand or business. And finding those good partnerships is important. And if you found someone and it's not working very well for you, you change, you know. And that's the model, really, you know. Fantastic, Ken. Listen, before we go, I mean, could you tell us a bit about, you know, what's the future for you in next in 2023? Well, I mean, I'm a a motivational speaker. And so obviously during the pandemic, it was all very digital. So this year was our first year back on tour and even Omicron beginning of January and February kind of killed the tour for the first quarter. So we really only kind of had a recovery year this year. Next year is our full 12 month calendar back on tour again. And so I'll be, I've often thought I should get a pilot's license on the side. (laughs) I spent (laughs) so much time on planes. And so, uh, yeah, to be the global tours back across America, Europe, Middle East, a uh, little bit Australia, New Zealand every now and then. Um, so yeah, I'd be back full on tour, back with live audiences. And again, just the, that engagement that the live audience, which is again part of CX in my world, the live audience are delighted to be back themselves, events, networking, events happening. There's an energy to that. People, you know, we've spent a long time in our homes. So that again, I come back to it, connection. People are yearning to connect. So I, I work in the connection business too. I connect thoughts and ideas with audiences and I'm really enjoying that. So, um, and we're doing lots of... Um, Lots of kind of gamification and physical exercises with audiences too. People are like, they're happy to be back in a physical room. So we need to give them physical things to do. And yeah, I'm enjoying, I'm looking forward to 2023, getting the tour back on properly. And again, just um, 
traveling the world and enjoying enjoying the interactions. Fantastic. And, and if people would like to, you know, maybe see some of your speeches or events, how can they learn Absolutely. more? Uh, Ken Hughes is the, uh, the name. Ken Hughes IE is the social media tags. So you'll find me on all the usual Instagram and Twitter and if Elon Musk doesn't blow it up soon. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I have a YouTube channel. So just type in Ken Hughes on YouTube and you'll get all the speeches there and you'll get a little excerpts uh, of everything. And I have a newsletter, Ken Hughes. You've got that on my website, kenhughes.com. Go onto the blog and subscribe to the monthly newsletter. And if you enjoy the CX space and want some CX inspiration once a month, I drop a bit of content in there once a month. So, but yeah, the YouTube channel is probably the best place to have a look at some of the speeches. Fantastic. And listen, thank you so much for your time and your insights today. It was a pleasure, Ken. Absolute pleasure. Pleasure.